Hello and welcome to Hometown Daily, Season 2, Episode 276 for October 3rd, 2023. Tonight we're going to discuss <laughs> jacked up prices new from Amazon, hike to come after strike, party game to save humanity, invasion of birds to eat invasive snails, mob vote, eh, a pretty handsy crab. Emergency test, zombie apocalypse starts Wednesday. We're going to talk about the Big Bang Theory, a wizard with a pistol, the plastic paradox, and return the car, but not the sushi. So here, I'm going to turn that down a little bit. Uh, the music, <laughs> the music is... Ah, uh, a little loud for us. So, uh, I am Merwat. That is hometown.com up there as the AI that's supposed to keep me in check, but we'll probably not be able to completely. I'll see some error messages and ignore it. Good evening, hometown citizens. Yes, there probably will be some error messages if it's a typical episode. Mm -mm. Oh, boy. Wow. The very, at, at the very top of the news uh, over at hometown.com is uh, Taylor Swift. Travis, is there? It's Kelsey, right? Question I'm reaches sure White House <laughs> press room. I actually was listening to that um, when that popped up. So, hey. You know, hey, you must be big when you're in the news every single day. There's even a Snopes article about a, an apparent song that it is written or was written they're they didn't break up already did they uh, have they even really started dating yet i mean i, I don't know i'm not gonna like a photo op really i'm not sure if i'm gonna be able to do the show if uh if they're not still dating anyway we already got all of the articles all set up let's knock them down First article is about Amazon over in the hometown daily channel, but it's from the verge. Amazon reportedly used a secret algorithm to jack up prices. You know, there was a moment where there was some investigation as to if Amazon was giving one person, one price and another person, another price. I'm not sure if that ever actually like res was resolved. I thought that there was rumors and people went, no, 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 no. There's no rumors. Sweep it under the rug. Bye-bye. Well, that explains why I thought, haven't we addressed this before when I saw this? But it, I wasn't sure if it was a new angle. So the article uh, snippet says, Amazon deployed a secret algorithm to gauge how high it could raise prices before its competitors stopped increasing their prices as well, according to a new report from the Wall Street Journal on Tuesday. The existence of the algorithm, codenamed Project Nessie, was first revealed late last month in a complaint filed with the Federal Trade Commission accusing the e-commerce giant of violating U.S. antitrust laws. The FTC's public complaint alluded to Project Nessie, but the section was heavily redacted, according to the journal. Nessie could inflate prices and monitor competitors. Wait um, a second. Do you think it's odd that it's named Project Nessie? Because isn't that the Loch Ness Monster? I mean, it's kind of like this fantasy thing. 
Yeah, but it might be something that sits under the surface and monitors popping its head out only to display some new price. Um, so Makina Kelly is the author. Deck statement is a new report details Amazon's Project Nessie pricing algorithm. But yeah, I would have to do a search, but I just don't do searches while we're doing the live show. I, I swear they have already had this on their radar um, where they were giving uh, disparate pricing depending on who was surfing. If they detected that you had a larger budget, they would give you a bigger fee, a bigger price. Um, Nessie allegedly helped Amazon increase its profits by artificially raising or increasing its prices across different shopping categories until the company reportedly stopped using it in 2019. So it is that. It actually is that. Yeah, and there's news about Project Nessie, but more from the technical standpoint. A couple of years ago, it doesn't seem to be what we're talking about. But this is a new report. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah, it would monitor uh, prices um, from other retailers like Target would follow suit. So if the competing retailers maintain the lower price, the algorithm would automatically revert Amazon's to its normal price. So they would go over, uh, Amazon would raise its price and then Target would raise its price and then Amazon would lower its price. And so not only would people do a search, but it would go, well, Target is more expensive now because Amazon would automatically lower it where Target didn't have that functionality. It's kind of weird. It's a pump and dump kind of a thing. Nessie allegedly helped Amazon increase its profits by artificially increasing its prices across different shopping categories until the company stopped using it in 2019. So I said that right before my other comment, right? Here, this is the, I'm just repeating it. It's been around since 2019. They say they reportedly stopped using it in 2019. Well, what if they just consolidated who had access to it and it's been doing this because or they renamed it. I know that my shopping cart changes periodically and I frequently, I would say I have all kinds of stuff sitting there, you know, marked as save for later, you know, probably several hundred items that I will probably never use. And, and they're actually like maybe things that are going to be sent to me again. Um, and I just want them there so I don't have to go hunting for it. And uh, I'll get a list of all these price changes. And it's like 10 cents here, uh, maybe a dollar there. Uh, but it isn't massive jumps. But is that the algorithm? Or did suddenly 25 people decide that they were going to do a, a change? Isn't that weird? I get the impression that people are constantly changing prices just so it looks like it's kind of updated or whatever. But but I also can't imagine that all the pricing changes have nothing to do with Project Messy. But why would 25 people decide to change prices all at the same time? That's what I mean. Like, I think there is something to that. And mm. it's probably 200 people or whatever. Those just aren't things that are in your cart. 
So it says in the agency September complaint, the company is accused of using variety of methods like burying listings to deter sellers from offering products at a lower price on competing platforms. The platform or the complaint set forth detailed allegations noting how Amazon is now exploiting its monopoly power to enrich itself while raising prices and degrading service for tens of millions of American families who shop on its platform and the hundreds of thousands of businesses that rely on Amazon to reach them. This is something that we've said earlier. I'm what were we talking about with this lawsuit that was something other than this? There was something else that was talking about the prices or I should say their monopolistic power. Is it related to Google maybe? I don't know if it was Amazon. Wow, I mean, this is really almost, see it says we had to have talked about talked about this. Oh, the state AGs, remember, went after Amazon. Right, so that must be part of this. Interesting. So the state AGs and this complaint um, from the FTC are parallel. I didn't connect it with it when I saw this headline. Yeah, well, I didn't connect it until I saw this because this is identical language in the state AG statement. So, yeah. The weird thing about this is monopolistic power, it grew from nothing into what it is. So... Uh, how True, is it that, and it also was over a long period of time how is it that the government decides that it's monopolistic power and not simply market movement this is what the customers want it's not like it's microsoft problem if amazon has a competitor but what is that competitor yeah go, well somebody needs to strike one up Somebody needs to start from a shoebox and grow it into a juggernaut of an economic powerhouse. You, you, but what I don't want is the government to just come in and, and say, okay, you're too big. Let's knock you out into little pieces because that's just false competition. They're all part of the same house. They're just now kicked out into guest houses. Just like right, AT&T. We already saw that with telecom, right? Yes, exactly. The baby bells. Yep. And, the, and they're all reconstituted now as Verizon and AT&T cellular. So they all just came back as the, the same entity. Um, but this is all mergers and acquisitions. Amazon didn't do any mergers and acquisitions. They simply grew bigger and bigger and bigger. But didn't they buy out certain... Well, like Audible. Or did they... Yeah. But Audible is a completely different segment, you know? It's nothing more than the expansion to a different platform. I don't agree with mergers and acquisitions at all. Um, but what but are you going to do? That doesn't make for a monopoly. Right. You know, whoever... See, but the thing about mergers and acquisitions is it's really hard to walk away from somebody saying, here's a billion dollars for Minecraft. Okay, I'm out. Here you go. You know, right. I mean, most people would probably jump at that deal. Yeah, and, and it isn't because. It, but really, what did Amazon do to benefit the customer base by acquiring Audible? Unless Audible was about to collapse, and then it. 
I just have a hard time with mergers and acquisitions because it always ends up with prices increased and less um, capability, less benefit to the consumer. So, uh, but Amazon it simply grew, grew and grew and grew. People loved everything that it did and it grew and, it, and you know, it would get a business loan or whatever, um, or it would release some more stock, but it would grow, grow and grow and grow. So I, I really don't have a problem with Amazon in its existence. I have a problem with disparate pricing based on some perceived demographic that it could exploit from one. I mean, this isn't somebody in a parking lot, you know, opening up their trench coat with uh, watches on one side and, and lighters or what. I don't know what somebody is selling out of the back of their car and from their trench coat, but whatever it is, you know, it's not some, you know, out of the trunk. Hey, if you want my gold bars, I know that they're illegal and I know that you got more money. So you uh, have to pay me more because I'm going to try and exploit more money out of you. That's not. This should be a legitimate retail enterprise and not be able to just walk up to somebody and go, hey, I've pulled your stock or your uh, uh, credit report. I know that you've got more money. I think that's screwy because it's not like they're lowering the price for other people on the other side. Twitch does that, by the way, by region, though, like the price is set at a certain price point here in the United States, and it's a different price point in a different region. Not everybody pays, you know, nine ninety nine or whatever it is. Um, right. I mean, because... I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, different cost of living, different, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But that isn't based on individuals. This is hinting that the prices would fluctuate based on competitors and then lower itself automatically when the competitors reacted. Um, and then there, that one that I was talking about is still in the back of my mind. They did this on a per user basis. It had to have been... Like a decade ago. I mean, I think it's a problem anyway, but. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. Anyway, um, let's keep on hustling through some of these articles. We'll all, we'll come back to this because this isn't the end of it. Uh, the next article is over in Smack Talk channel because guess what? Netflix will wait until Hollywood strikes end to hike streaming prices. Here we Yay. go again. Yeah. So, you know, you're not going to jack your prices up unless you have something new to add. And there are some things that are being added, but the Hollywood strike is still going, right? Uh, SAG-AFTRA is still going. The writers are back to work, arguably. Reports that I've gotten, that I've read, and that I've seen, and that I've heard, are that there's a lot that just aren't returning because the price structure has changed and it's just not as exploitive. So there's a whole lot of people that used to be employed that aren't employed anymore, even after the strike. So careful what you wish for. After a prolonged strike by Hollywood actors, Netflix is, con is considering raising the price for its ad free streaming service, falling in line with recent price changes among the top streaming platforms across the country. Where is all this extra money coming from for all of the people? Because n nobody is getting pay raises. 
maybe all the extra money is coming from the strike period. I don't even know what that means. Where are the... Well, who, who was getting paid during the strike? Yeah, nobody. Exactly. So where did all that money... Maybe that money is just sitting around. <laughs> well, no, no. I, that's what I'm... That's what I'm saying. They're going to raise prices after the strike ends. So how who's going to be paying for a higher price Netflix when the strike ends? Customers are still not getting pay raises. Oh, I see what you mean. I thought you were talking about the actors and everything. No. Um, yeah, well, I also think the optics are, well... I think if they raise it during the strikes, I think it's going to become an issue with at the bargaining table, number one. And I think they're going to look bad by raising it during the strike. So. Sure. Uh, the article is over at appleinsider.com by Amber Neely. Um, according to the Wall Street Journal, Netflix plans to postpone the impending price hike until the conclusion of both the Hollywood and the actor, uh, sorry, the Hollywood writer and actor strikes. But the... Writers Guild of America recently announced its tentative agreement with studios. As far as I understood it, that's a done deal. The Screen Actors Guild, which initiated a strike in July, has resumed negotiations with Hollywood studios this week. According to people familiar with the matter, there are talks about potential price increases happening in different countries around the world. However, it seems that the first changes might happen here in dear old USA and Canada because we have all kinds of extra disposable income. Netflix recently discontinued its $10 basic plan without ads in the United States. Subscribers currently pay $15.49, which is a real oddball price um, for standard without ads and $6.99 for ad-supported tier, which was launched in November 2022. So... You're going to end up paying more, um, but they're not going to do it until it doesn't look like you said. They're going to be making more money, which means that it's going to look better for the protesters to during the strike to argue, well, you're making more money, so kick it over to us. But this is a rumor now where the people that are in the negotiation can sit there and say, look, there's rumors that you're going to jack the price up. How about this? If you jack the price up after we agree within two years, you have to kick us X amount. Exactly. It immediately has to jack up to a certain level uh, or ratchet up, you know, the, but this is, this is all cynical, greedy, um, manipulative, crap and uh but there's somebody out there there's somebody that's really into business and they're just sitting there doing like a a comcast customer service from south park kind of a thing you know i can't do it because it's <clears throat> that's a good thing <laughs> asmr customer service rep there anyway um and if they do the if they wait until after the strike who knows maybe there's going to be less people in the equation for the negotiation because they'll everything will be done they'll be able to say well we can't afford all of this 
and then they can jack the prices up and say, well, we had to jack the prices up so that we could get all of this stuff. It's weird. To me, it is it, weird, it, particularly since they're still negotiating and they don't know what the final position is. Yeah. Yeah. But they're and they're like, oh, we're going to raise the prices down the road. And if this is legit, then they're not operating good faith with the contract because I'm sure the contractors are sitting there or the contract negotiators are sitting there saying, what are your plans for the next five years? Oh, well, we don't have any plan about raising our prices. Let me tell you. Oh, really? Because national uh, news says otherwise. Yeah, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in the Warcrafter channel. This party game is like Jackbox, except you're causing or preventing humanity's extension. You can probably guess which way the author of this article went. So it's called Project Planet Earth versus Humanity. The article state has a, uh, we always take a snippet, or I should say, hometown takes a snippet, not we. Um, maybe it's the fact that they've just finished their umpteenth playthrough of Final Fantasy VII, but sometimes they get the feeling that one of us should summon Meteor and end all of this nonsense uh, once and for all, climb the kudzu vines that wrap the Sears Tower and all that. Uh, the author says, I, I know I'm not the only one who occasionally drifts into strange fantasies about the end of the world, though. A, a game that just came out on Steam not only lets you do exactly that, it turns those idle fantasies into a party. So I haven't checked this out yet. Um, it's over at PC Gamer, and it's Russell Adderson that put the article together. The deck statement says, who needs Jackbox when we've got hurricanes, asteroids, and the end of the world? If you've never heard of Jackbox or Jackbox games, they, it, it is also known as the Jackbox Party Pack. It has a whole series of games that a whole group can play. And if you stream it online, um, or not really even stream it online, but it's open to the public. You can actually post a little party message. A server is included in this where it, it, people can connect to it remotely. It's um, pretty fun, but that's not what this game is. This game is called Project Planet Earth versus Humanity. It features one player as the planet, um, like the actual Earth, big role. This player, the good guy, obviously, is tasked with saving the place from destruction by reducing the human population to zero, like a full-blown, uh, they call it JRPG or Japanese RPG baddie. Uh, they do that by expending their force to inflict disasters and trigger crises that the other players have to deal with. Pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Uh, I kind of like the idea of this game because I like God games. But if this is what it looks like down here at the bottom. It says Fifth Harbor Studios. Is that the makers of this game? Hold on. Let's scroll back up. I don't even think it's said up here. Yeah, it doesn't say that up here. Hmm. So the media, world leaders, and industry are all undercutting one another, trying to actually help as little as humanly possible without dooming everyone to oblivion. Yeah, that tracks. Only one player has to actually buy the game, and everyone else can plug in via a mobile device, making the Project Planet a bit like Jackbox, except instead of trying to come up with the best punchline for the world's worst setup, you're trying to save or destroy the planet 
Um, and so the author actually played this for a little bit. I think that's actually this. Okay, so Fifth Harbor Studios is the developer, and it's in the Steam store for twenty four ninety nine. Interesting. But hmm, hmm, interesting. This is what the game looks like. Oh yeah, this actually has motivated me to actually get it. So maybe I'll I'll take a look at it and see. Maybe I can play this on on uh, stream. Um, yeah, I don't know this weekend. I've got an event all day Saturday, so um, we'll see. I don't know. I can't make any promises with this one, but it looks like a fun game, and only one person has to. It is that game. Okay, so only one person has to buy it, and then the rest can tap into it from remote via their phones. Pretty cool. Okay, let's keep on going, unless you want to say something about it. No, I don't have anything else. It looks fun. Good. Um, here's one of the weirdest titles that I've probably said out loud now. Um, so this is in the Marvel channel. Invasion of tropical birds known as limpkins reported in Illinois. Invasive snails may be attractive food source. Okay. Everything about that headline is weird. It's like where to begin. While on a recent trip or visit to Chicago Botanic Garden, Anne Harness spotted a creature she'd never seen before. The tall brown bird with a long bill uh, looked like a cross between a rail and a heron. So the article is over at fizz.org by Cheryl DeVore from Chicago Tribune. Yeah, it looks like a crane. Yeah, I mean, a tropical bird in Illinois already sounds alarming, but that doesn't look like a tropical bird to me. Well, that's probably the female of the species because they usually are like the underrated kind of thing. Uh, it was a limpkin far from its home. The bird lives in tropical areas from southern Florida to the Caribbean islands. It's another thing. Maybe they were blown off by the hurricane uh, and uh, tropical storms. So um, all the way from uh, to the Caribbean islands, Mexico and Central and South America, where it gives a piercing cry from its wetland habitat. Um, Harness's sighting was one of... alarming if you think it's like fox cries. Uh, oh, gosh. Um, so there were 24 sightings uh, in Illinois this year. Probably not of that one, but Limkins spend their time in wet wetlands and aren't that easy to see. So there's probably a whole bunch more that we don't know about in Illinois, said Mike Ward, an avian ecologist with the Illinois National History Survey. Quite fascinating. Um... They talk about where it has been seen. Um, and it says it's the same one <laughs> running around the whole state. <laughs> it's just getting around, right? So officials hope that the limpkin may be able to keep the invasive species of um, snail in check. Let's see if I can find. They mentioned it up here earlier, but um, I scrolled past it because. Uh, they were talking more about, they keep talking about the. Oh, apple snails. Uh, yeah. The Florida apple snail. Yeah. Limpkin populations were declining in Florida, where, which is actually part of its natural habitat. Uh, because uh, wetlands were drained and their main food supply, the native Florida apple snail was decreasing in the mid 2000s. Various types of apple snails native to Central and South America, as well as Asia, were introduced to the United States often for use in aquariums, which 
when you start twisting things around that invasive speed and everybody like wants a damn snail for their tank and then what do they do they dump it out into you know some waterway and then it flourishes all because they're pretty let's put them in our aquarium but it could be disastrous and we're having that problem with uh, certain fish in the great lakes now um, and other waterways uh, it's just weird that people are so interested in having something pretty in a glass box and other places it's not just that you know people plant stuff uh, and then or it they goes have wild animals like the alligator that got loose in Pennsylvania or whatever. Yep. And now they're in, now they're breeding because they let uh, several of them loose. So you go down the rapids and now you're going to get eaten. There's just going to be an alligator or a crocodile or whatever it is with its mouth open. Talk what about rapids. What class level will that be? I think class five is the highest right now. And the the class would be <laughs> I don't know how you write that on a sign but you so, just have a visual on there <laughs> yeah, really. of what's happening like a stick figure so it says while Illinois does have the invasive Chinese mystery snail often considered an apple snail it also has 75 more muscles snail and clam species the limpkins can eat Mussels, snails, and clams belong to a large group of aquatic creatures called mollusks. And all right, whatever. So, what's a niche the the, the limpkins seem to be taking advantage of in Illinois? They seem to be hanging out in wetlands with a good population of snails and freshwater mussels. So, good on them. Maybe we need to send the limpkins to the Great Lakes to take care of some of the mussels there. Well, I, uh, it, what are those uh, zebra mussels? zebra mussels yeah yeah and they, there's also a fish but that fish would probably eat the limpkin um it, it's like a piranha kind of a thing but not a piranha anyway the person says wanda supinich of libertyville says i normally don't chase vagrant species but the limpkin has been at the chicago botanic garden for so long that she felt obliged to make the effort to see it and I'm glad I did. So good on her. Um, won't worry about the rest of this. Um, if you want to read the rest of the article, go and check it out. Um, we are really going slow today. Hold on. Let me grab this and throw that into the chat. You can check that out on your own. And there is the article that we just talked about. That's in the chat now. And let's keep on hustling. So this next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. Minecraft's first mob vote candidate uh, for this year is a tiny handsy crab. It just says handy crab, but I keep playing with that saying handsy. Um, in yearly tradition, Minecraft is letting us choose what kind of creature will be included in its next major update. The mob vote is back for 2023 ahead of the yearly Minecraft live show on October 15th. We'll be able to cast our votes on three different mob hopefuls, which Mo Yang or Mo Jang, depending on where you are and how you want to pronounce it, I suppose, has begun introducing today. So let's look at 
the mob vote it's over at pc gamer lauren morton is the author i now have eight installs of minecraft um sitting on my main machine here my gaming machine it seems like a lot for somebody who loads them up and kind of doodles around in the world and then deletes the world and creates a new world and i don't spend a lot of time playing it um it just seems like a really neat place to hang out for a short time and then just wipe it out yeah that is a lot of installs uh and but it's really one main install and then the loader throws in different mods anyway we'll be voting for our next minecraft creature again this year and the first contender is a crab so i am going to hit play i don't know how long this is i didn't really watch it i don't know if they've got a shorter picture of it i think that's what it looks like right there yeah we'll just do that i'll let you go and check out this article here hold on a second by the way you'll have to adjust for your particular time zone but it'll be on october 15th at 1 p.m eastern oh gotcha um and it's part of the minecraft 1.21 update as far as i understand it um do 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 they're on 1.20.2 right now so the first potential new mob is the crab which lives in the mangrove swamp biome mojang says or mojang uh, i don't know i i might as well just say mojang more people say that than mojang um mojang says the uh crab claw presumably possible loot from killing crabs will help players place blocks further away from themselves so it's like one of those long pole grabby hooks then you know the little things to pick up trash from a distance right or like a, a arcade machine uh what where you pick up the stuffed animals Uh, that dead that dead air is actually uh marawat brain shutting down what not the little claw arm thing is that what you're talking about yes no it's a stick that when you grab when you squeeze the handle to grab trash the, or whatever yeah okay i'm gonna have to work with the ai sentient ai so anyway, um, so it's like one of those long pole grabby hooks, not the little machine grab. Oh my god! Anyway, they imagine it'll help build focus players from uh, like me complete projects without running about to different sides of our scaffolding while working on roofs and other details. I love the idea of plans in uh, in Minecraft where there are things that are already pre-built and you can just plop them down there and then walk around and place blocks. Um, if I can have a crab that follows that design and I can just throw a bunch of resources into a box and tell the crab to go do that. Perfect. I'm on board with that. I don't know if I would ever be able to turn that into like a playthrough or something like that. There's a lot of people that do these movies um, that just build like crazy. I want to watch this, but I'm going to encourage you to go and check it out and then wait for the other two mobs or maybe just one mob. I don't know how many they're going to release this year um, for the vote. 
I think last yeah, year it was like three. To wait for the other two. Yeah. Yeah. So Mojang will be announcing the other two. Oh, it says other two. So three. Ha 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 ha. I guess it pays to read the entirety of the article, which is what you should be doing because I'm going to move on to the next article because it's Halloween and Wednesday we're going to have a zombie outbreak according to conspiracy theories that spread like wildfire ahead of the emergency test which is also being done by Russia at the same time yeah that was another article in hometown today I find that fascinating I didn't read about why that is but well, conspiracy zombie uh, zombie conspiracy theories spread like wildfire ahead of emergency test. So tomorrow, at I think uh, two fifteen or two twelve or something. Two twenty p.m. Eastern. Oh, two twenty p.m. Eastern. Okay. Um, there is going to be a nationwide test. Everything that can receive an alert is going to receive an alert. So if you have a smartwatch, a smartphone, smart TVs that are connected, alarm systems, uh, computers that might be uh, connected to um, uh, a- an alert receiving thing there, like uh, different institutions actually have um, alert programs that are Uh, installed on every single machine so that you can receive national alerts Um, so like government agencies might uh, have this that uh, takes place Um, academic institutions will be part of this Uh, just every computer that you can think of might get get multiple alerts at the same time please don't be driving at 2 20 p.m eastern tomorrow (laughs) because somebody is gonna freak out lose their mind yeah so radio is going to do it. Um, pr- just everything. Just assume everything is going to go bonkers. Um, so if you've ever walked into a clock shop at noon um, and then walked out immediately with a migraine, that's probably what's going to happen tomorrow. Let's go over to the source of this, which is just one of many, many, many that are talking about this um, emergency test. Natalie Venegas is the author over at Newsweek.com. Um, there's a video. Let me throw, I didn't throw that into the chat. Sorry about that. So there you go. Um, so the article is over at Newsweek.com. The national test, which takes place on Wednesday at 2.20 p.m., is conducted to help ensure that the national alert system and wireless emergency alerts continue to be effective ways to warn the public about emergencies, especially on a national level, and especially because uh, the website formerly known as Twitter has lost its freaking mind. However, is is that really your (laughs) reason for saying that? I mean, I can think of a lot of other things. (laughs) Well, posting there would have been a way to reach a lot of people because everybody utilizes, utilized, past tense, utilized. You know, that Um, was too easy, right? Yeah. Um, we need some and, challenges to our national alert system. <laughs> yeah, like wing nuts. So, uh, national. Uh, however, following the uh, federal emergency management a- agency announcement of the emergency alert test, some have taken to social media to share disinformation, concern, and conspiracies. It's a test, folks. Pull your heads collectively out of your rears 
and pay attention and, to the you world know, around you. And, you know, maybe even listen to the test message so that if there's an actual emergency, you might have some idea what it is. That's so stupid. 5G poisoning. There are people that are sensitive to electromagnetic fields, but there is no such thing as 5G poisoning. Batborne disease, on the other hand. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of recent and a little too soon. Yeah, I mean... That isn't conspiracy, though. That's science in nature. True, but it doesn't have anything to do with an emergency alert system. Right. And a whole bunch of stupid stuff about zombie outbreak. Give me a break. Okay, the only that zombies one's the most ridiculous. So stupid. Anyway. Did they it, really have to say baselessly claim that a zombie outbreak <laughs> Like, this is a news article. <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Yeah, I mean, it gives it credibility to sit there and say basis, baselessly claim. When is there a based, uh, a supported a claim? For a zombie outbreak? Yeah. When, <laughs> when is, is there... there a basis for a zombie in existence? <laughs> right. Other than well, animal zombies, right? We've seen that with like zombie ants or whatever. And the median age of Florida. So Ben Collins, senior reporter at NBC News, jokingly uh, mentioned the zombie conspiracy theory on the website formerly known as Twitter, saying, can't wait for my smart fridge to zombify me tomorrow. Yeah, I'm sure some political wingnuts are actually chomping at the bit to say that it was Microsoft that caused this. Idiots. Oh, I can't wait for the X posts or whatever right after this. Yeah, I don't even know what service you're talking about you mean the website formerly known as twitter i, I don't either i have heard uh, of such a thing but... sorry yeah i know that your coding doesn't necessarily make the connection to the website formerly known as twitter so oh i don't know don't worry about it, folks. There's no such thing as zombies. There will be no zombie outbreak. There is no such thing. You're not going to get a combination of vaccines that causes it. 5G poisoning isn't going to cause it. Bat-borne disease. You know disease. how are you going to get a vaccine through your TV or whatever? That's so stupid. Anyway, well, it's, they're doing this because the combination of vaccines are going to create zombies. And we have to have a zombie test. Just limber up, get your steps in, eat healthy, lower the amount of sugar. That way you can run from the zombies. Exactly. Yeah, I just have a real problem just acknowledging this other than the silliness that it is. Zombies are sci-fi, nothing more. Let's go. Uh, this next article is about Big Bang Theory. Apparently, because Jim Parsons um, lived in Texas, had a Texas accent, he kind of lifted up that character. Um, but uh, Parsons wasn't really into the character in terms of like that way of thinking and, and various other things. Um, failed science and stuff like that. Cathal Gunning is the author of this over at ScreenRant.com. The deck statement says Jim Parsons repeatedly proved he was perfect for the role of Sheldon Cooper, but one fact made his casting in the Big Bang Theory even better. Um, he was from Texas. And that's where Sheldon Cooper was I didn't know from. That. Yeah. Um, and just full disclosure, we're 
actually watching all of Big Bang Theory again. I heard that I thought that this had a live audience, but maybe it had a live audience and then a laugh track was added later in post-production um, coupled with the live audience. Um, but I know that it was a live audience because I actually saw the set. Um, so the article mentions how I met your mother. It's always sunny in Philadelphia and community but I don't remember it's always sunny in Philadelphia and community being around at the same time as big bang theory. I thought that how I met your mother was, but I, I didn't, right. I thought the others came much know. later. It's been a long time. Anyway, these might've seemed uh, comically outdated in the two thousands. The big bang theory had a laugh track, multi-camera, etc. Um, but I think that it's still, I can't say that it still works from end to end because there's society is kind of clapped back about the type of um, comments and and uh, the sexist um, misogynistic at times and um, go ahead were you gonna say I was something gonna say there's also some um culturally insensitive oh content. Yes. i mean yeah. that's kind of a side note but there's definitely a flavor of that yeah. i there was a pretty strong overlap between timing of big bang theory and community at least um big oh, really? bang theory started in 2007 and community started in 2009 i haven't gotten to the other one yet oh wow okay yeah um so because i never really watched community um, but it, it's kind of like um, Arrested Development where you just don't have an affinity for it. And then years later you go, oh my God, that was hilarious. Um, like Schitt's exactly. Creek. Schitt's Creek was hilarious, but I didn't watch any of it when it was released. Um, no, it was but then when you watched it, it was amazing. Just die laughing. Um, and the other show was on the other side of it. So it started two years prior in 2005. So they were both on either side of the game. Which one? Always Sunny? Mm-hmm. Really? Because I know that Always Sunny in Philadelphia has been around for a while, but I didn't know. And I didn't wa I don't watch um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia either. Um, yeah, I just didn't have any affinity for it, but I knew that it was, everybody enjoyed it. So that's why I don't really know about those two. Well, at any rate, um, Sheldon's Big Bang Theory at actor wasn't scientifically minded they say in the article he actually failed science um it says while parsons may not understand astrology uh even he could see the stars aligned to net him the big bang theory role like sheldon cooper the real parsons is texan um which meant his accent was perfect whenever it appeared this alongside the consistent critical praise he earned in the role showed just how much Parsons was born to play Sheldon. Um, and okay, now why is that astrology and not astronomy or something? Yeah, it should, it should be astronomy. Um, or anything or scientific. Anything else that's more scientific, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it does say astrology, folks. It, like I didn't astrophysics misspeak. or something. <laughs> and I let it slide. I didn't want to go back and actually address that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's what's really cool about the show is the stuff that was written. 
wasn't always just gobbledygook. It actually had application based on what um, I was told uh, over the years. Um, the stuff that was written on the board were taken out of textbooks and stuff like that. And some people just kept on writing um, just thing after thing. Uh, sometimes it actually had real context to what he was talking about. And in the set too, the set actually had a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, things that I want simply because they looked cool, but they were computer related um, and really, really old. Anyway, pretty cool. Let's go on to the next article. Uh, we have a few more to go. This next one is over in the continuity report. Ghost Rider gets the villain he deserves in the Infinity Stones most underrated wielder. This is actually about one of the comics. Um, Ghost Rider Annual 2023 number one Ghost Rider is easily one of the most overpowered Marvel Comics characters to date. Uh, so it would make sense that one of his villains would be someone strong enough to have wielded the Infinity Stones in the past. So Ghost Rider is ramping up um, to become an MCU character. Um, and so <laughs> uh, there's a lot of talk about Ghost Rider hitting the big screen and getting integrated into MCU. Has there um, only been a comic to date? Comic? No, it's been a movie. Um, and kind of a cult following, <laughs> um, but we'll get to it. Um, Spencer Connolly is the author. The ghost, uh, the uh, deck statement says Ghost Rider has been sorely lacking a proper villain in his comics, but not for long, as his new nemesis was once a wielder of the Infinity Stones. And you basically have to be a demigod or god to wield the Infinity Stones or have some serious tech to manage the power within. Um, well, it says Ghost Rider faces a formidable opponent in the hood, which basically and he is basically a magic wielder wizard with a gun. So kind of cool. There is actually a game coming out called Wizard with a Gun. Um, the title of this segment is Wizard with a Pistol because that's what they call them. Pistols, not guns. Um who have proven himself worthy of wielding the infinity stones and possesses pistols that can harm supernatural entities. The hood is a, after a mysterious artifact of power and the danger is amplified by his ability to wield artifacts and his unique challenge to ghost rider with his supernatural guns, because as a mortal, he can be wounded, but when he becomes ghost rider, um, he has to be, you can't kill him. He's basically death. Um, and, uh, but since he has supernatural pistols, he could probably, there's a movie where there are people that are, uh, what do they call them? Oh, what is the name of that? It's like a B movie where they get sent to bring people who haven't gone to heaven or hell back from, is it a show? It's a movie, and uh, we've watched it a couple of times, actually. They're basically police. I was thinking of The Good Place. No, 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 not that. No, no, no. No. Um, it's, a, a, it's a movie where they're kind of like, one is a sheriff from Old Timey Sheriff, and the other one uh, becomes his partner. And um, 
What is it called? I know Dark the movie, Hunter. but I can't think of the name of it. And it's an acronym. The name of the movie is an acronym. Doggone it. I hate when my brain does this. Anyway, the hood is a perfect adversary for Ghost Rider, providing a much needed challenge for the powerful superhero and promising an intense showdown in the upcoming conflict. That's all in the article, um, which you can follow to if you uh, click on the link in our chat or in the show notes, it'll take you through hometown. So Parker Robbins. R.I.P.D. Yeah, all right. Yeah, rest in police, uh, rest in peace department. You, they basically have these supernatural guns that can kill. What do they call them? Not deadites. That's from something else. Anyway, don't worry about that. So, uh, because Ghost Rider is so darn powerful, they're bringing out a bigger gun, literally, um, to try and challenge ghost rider but there's nothing that's going to kill ghost rider maybe parker robbins aka the hood the hood is a master in the practices of mysticism in the occult and he also usually wields pistols that can shoot bullets capable of hurting and even killing supernatural entities however he wouldn't reach peak power until he began his quest to collect every infinity stone after marvel's marvel comics siege event the Hood acquired the Reality Stone upon learning that it had been left unguarded on Earth following Black Bolt's death. So these are all part of the canon of uh, the Marvel comic universe. But Ghost Rider is said to be coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and I think Ghost Rider is awesome. So we'll see. Um, they show some cells from the i don't know if it's the full um comic but i won't go through it all you can follow the link and check it out on your own you want to go on to the next sounds good so this next article um kind of riffs off of a previous message that we've been talking about which is about plastic it's in the mobile channel the plastic paradox. Some cleanup technologies do more harm than good, according to researchers. The ever-increasing problem. I'll be okay. Of plastic. Yeah, of, of plastic. Um, the ever-increasing problem of plastic pollution has prompted... Can I say any more peas in a sentence? No, and I think they wrote that intentionally. Anyway, it's... much. It's prompted a widespread... <laughs> Uh, I'll be okay. Widespread efforts to combat it through innovative cleanup technologies. These advancements, however, often seen as the silver bullet to solve our plastic crisis, my God, sometimes do more harm than good. So let's go over to fizz.org. This is uh, Janik Falk Anderson, the Norwegian Institute for Water Research, or NIVA. Um, it's over at fizz.org. This plastic cleanup paradox is addressed in a recent publication in Environmental Science and Technology, where a group of stakeholders representing different perspectives were brought together for uh, to discuss this pressing issue. The consensus emerging from the dialogue is clear. Cleanup technologies must be regulated within the framework of an international plastics treaty to ensure that genuinely benefit the that they genuinely benefit the environment. In other words, we must adopt a philosophy of clean it up, not mess it up. 
oh how pithy um so capture plastics not turtles apparently maybe we're catching other things but we've been doing that with other things as well um so why the caution when we target litter we obviously encounter ecosystems teeming with life dragging a net across the ocean to capture plastics may unintentionally trap the very organisms we aim to protect there are different ways of capturing whatever um and what needs to take place is somebody needs to be on the deck of these contraptions that go out and scoop up all of the plastic and then just return life to the ocean um but that's when it gets expensive not everybody really enjoys doing that for months and months out in the ocean um but beware of the nurdle problem uh, i'm sorry is there something in I there wasn't, that i was amused not by that but just what was ahead <laughs> oh really um yeah oh oh my goodness really so it says here in the article moreover the the effectiveness of a technology at one place may be impractical in another place consider the case of the cleanup equipment supplied to the sri lankan government following the express pearl disaster where plastic nurdles inundated the environment sounds like a harry potter infection this technology was designed for dry surfaces, but the nurdles had seeped into wet substrates so that the equipment was inadequate. The lack of funds and capacity for repairs meant that the manual cleanups were uh, more cost efficient. This underscores the importance of evaluating cost effectiveness before selecting a cleanup approach for a, a specific area. But you may need a more nuanced cleanup procedure where some of it is offshore some of it is onshore you can't just one shop fits everything so post cleanup mess issues um, my main thing has always been okay now you have all this plastic where are you going to put it um if you drag it onto land it's going to decompose into the land so and it's going to take thousands of years because it needs to weather into oblivion or it needs to be shredded and turned into a brick somewhere, but then it actually does microplastics continuously. Um, it, it's basically the, I, I guess, non-radioactive version of nuclear waste. Um, right, there's no real good solution for it to date. Yeah. So how to maximize impact of cleanup technologies, efforts to reduce litter in the environment, including the use of cleanup technologies hold great promise. However, we must consider how to harness their full potential. That is all mumbo jumbo. Um, if you're gonna clean up, then you better take into account just what damage you're causing during the cleanup process. Um, and also what you're gonna do with the cleaned up material and yeah. what the cost is compared to doing something simpler yeah i'll continue to worry about plastic um, i'm slowly trying to wean away from plastic but you just can't get away from it i mean you <laughs> you put hardwood you can't even down. turn around without running into something plastic if you're yeah. in a house or an office or whatever yeah, you put carpet down and there's some substrate on the back of the carpet that has plastic. 
Um, you put hardwood down and there's an underlayment that has plastic in it. You, uh, it just, it never ends. And, uh, I have yet to find a way for me to test, you know, if everything is sheeting off little bits of plastic, but any little bit, you know, could be disastrous. So. Um, to ensure we make the most of these efforts, we advocate for the implementation of guidelines and regulations related to cleanup technologies with the International Plastics Treaty. That's what the author is saying. What I want is a solution for microplastics, and I think it behooves fundamental science research uh, to be approved by various governments, anybody that's capable of finding a solution for stopping what will eventually be a scourge of microplastics. Uh, in the ecosystem. So it is a serious health risk. Want to go on to the last article? Sounds good. Our last article is in the Mobile channel. Uh, it's Cooler, right? Isn't that how you pronounce that person's name? I thought it was Cooler. Henry Cooler. Queller, maybe? Queller? Yeah. I don't know. Democrat from Texas suggested that the worst part about, oh, sorry, the title of this is Queller. Um, on worst part of carjacking, they stole my sushi. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, so, Rep. Henry Culler or Queller, uh, Democrat or from KR. Texas. Huh? Or KR. KR? Maybe. We don't know how the L is pronounced. The L's are. Pronounced. Oh yeah, it might be. Yeah, dunk on it. I don't know. I'll have to watch a interview so that I can find out phonetically, and then I won't make that mistake again. Anyway, suggest they were carjacked, and they suggested that the worst part about being the victim of an armed carjacking in Washington D.C. was the assailant stole a sushi. Yeah, Queller, who appeared to be in good spirits on MSNBC interview with uh, Jose Diaz Ballart. Uh, said that he tried to remain calm as three young men came up behind him with guns as he was leaving his car to go to the Navy Yard apartment in Southeast D.C. He said that he handed over his car keys to the young punks with guns, um, which was the name of my college band, uh, <laughs> who then drove away without injuring him. So the article is actually over at the Hill. Lauren Sforza is the author of this. Did I just throw that into the chat? No, I did not. So what's the takeaway here? Do not put yourself between your life and your property. And don't put like... your life. Yeah. <laughs> don't put your life between your car and uh, young thugs with guns. Which, again, is the name of my college rap band, cover band. <laughs> um, so, again... Lawrence Forza over at the Hill put this article together and they talk about what went down. And he said that he noted that his car and phone were returned um, shortly thereafter, like a couple of hours. He said that he had a gun pointed at me, looked uh, to the to the other side. I don't know what that is. Um, weird lyrics, I guess. There was another one with a gun pointed at me. I looked, uh, I looked behind me. There was a third guy behind me. And I said, sure. <laughs> You got to stay calm under these situations. I gave them the key and took off and they took off. And then within minutes, both the Capitol police and Metro police were there. And, uh, I, like I said, there were, 
able to recover the car, my phone within a couple of hours. I want to thank them. But what really got me upset is that they stole my sushi. That's what got me upset. So apparently they didn't return the sushi or he wouldn't eat it, you know, because you, well, that's true. You, you, the, the chain of custody was broken. So you have to question everything. Um, yeah, DC is kind of a hot zone right now. Um, I don't know if it's ever been particularly safe uh, across the board, you know, in the environs of DC. Um, certain areas like certainly certain, are. Yeah, certain districts in the, I shouldn't say districts, certain um, segments of the city are safer uh, than others. What is it like the, the higher riskier area is like southeast, right? Right, which is actually where this was. Yeah. So the carjacking occurred shortly after 9.30 p.m. at the intersection of New Jersey Avenue and K Street Southeast. K Street, though, is a long street, so. Right. You're thinking of the area in Northwest, probably. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's. Uh, it is a microcosm of society. <laughs> From extremely affluent to uh, uh, destitute. I mean, the, the whole spectrum is in a very tiny area. And sometimes they crash into each other. Which, you know, I just have a problem with the idea that people need to... Uh, they, Because of their situation in life, people have chosen um, to... Uh, commit crimes because they at that point don't have any other option um survival wise because what are they going to do you know turn to their friends and say i'm not going to do it well they've got guns and i've got a gun and it could cost them their life to confront so um it's all about opportunity and education and knowledge and skill building and, and but primarily opportunity um, and you, you can't have 100% employment. Um, it's just not a, a reality. Um, you end up basically yeah, trending more towards fascism or communism where everybody is working no matter what. So it becomes an issue. At any rate, um, that's it for today's show. So I'm going to drag everybody back to Main Street on the party bus. And we're going to mash that logo and it's going to refresh. And there's a whole bunch of new articles, but mostly it's political because. Because in a monumental event, the Speaker of the House has been ousted. Yeah. First time in history, right? Correct. And um, I listened to the interview of uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, right before the show. It was actually ongoing when the show kicked off because he started his thing at 730 Eastern. And um, the, he's basically capitulated like, OK, well, they don't want me there. So and, and it's only a few people that are causing this. And but he is actually part and parcel to the problem because in his zeal to become speaker of the house he gave them that power and now it's there so 
every deep fart and whistle can basically bring down the speaker of the house. Although I suppose the new speaker of the house can invalidate any of those previous agreements and say, that's hey, a new speaker of the house. The weirdest thing about all of this is that the speaker of the house is the chain of uh, responsibility for the country. So it's a president, vice president oh, right, in the succession line. Yeah. And then speaker of the house, right? Yes. So I, I have a problem with what amounts to a garage sale type of situation where anybody can stop the chain of secession and the security apparatus that's in place for continuity of operations of government. So right now, well, that seems like that'd be a good constitutional challenge, because if it's so critical, maybe it should be less um, malleable. I, that's yeah. not the right word, but basically able to be changed. Yep. Yeah, I certainly agree, because if anything catastrophic happens right now, there is no Speaker of the House. They still have to right. vote. And I know you're talking about like major events, but I'm even just thinking about normal government operations because sure. it's going to be quite difficult to pass a continuing resolution or appropriation bill without a speaker of the house. Yeah. Basically everything comes to a halt. So, and they're taking a week off. You know, this is all beyond the scope of a normal hometown daily show. Um, but if you are interested in talking about this and other things, primarily other things, please. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to, um, you know, hang out and chat about these things. Oh, cool. Look, cool runnings director battled Disney over Jamaican accents told cast he'd get fired. If you don't sound like Sebastian, the crab. Oh, <laughs> God. That's not good. Oh, uh, you know, pointing too because I like the movie cool runnings. That's just, uh, wow. Anyway, all kinds of stuff are coming, folks. So stay tuned and thanks for hanging out. If you're in chat, thanks. If you download the uh, podcast, thank you. If you uh, watch us over on YouTube, thank you. Please leave a comment, like, follow, subscribe, ring the bell, send a carrier pigeon, whatever you want to do. We're here to uh, talk and hopefully entertain. So I'm Marwat, that's hometown.com, and up there is the Ring of Sentience. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye. The Ring of Sentience.